So let's get started tonight. Over the years, talking about relationships, I found that there's a lot of common themes. People seem to ask me the same exact questions over and over again, and they think that they're so unique. I'm sorry to say this. They think they're so unique. They think that it's so special. They're so different, but really they're always the same questions. And so I wanted to, uh, so we have a couple of things here tonight. We have this jar that is filled with all your questions, and we're going to get to them soon. Before I get to them, the first thing is I want to ask you for permission. From a scale, on a scale of one to ten, how truthful can I be with you? One being very superficial, and ten being extremely hardcore truthful. A hundred. Now, if I, okay, so I hear a lot of tens, that's fine. If I offend you, would that be okay? Is there anyone here that if I offend you, you will be upset at me forever? Okay, I, I've done this before and people have walked out of my class. I'm just telling you. Don't be 100% sure that won't happen with someone. Okay, so if you do end up getting so offended tonight, that you walk out, I'll understand. I have a question. Is that okay? Are we okay with that? Are we clear? Huh? Yes. Well, if somebody does get offended, do they know where you live? If someone gets offended, do they know where I live? That's a good question. So, the goal, I just want to tell you something before I get started, that everything I'm going to tell you tonight is because I truly care. I wouldn't be sitting here talking about relationships if I didn't care about what was going on in your lives. I have lived vicariously for years through your successes and failures. I have celebrated many weddings, but I've also celebrated many failures of people. And I, I know what it's like. I know how difficult it is, how people who are looking for relationships, who are looking for serious relationships and how difficult they have it. I know how tough it is out there. I feel, I feel for you. And so the fact that we're going to be sitting here tonight and we're going to be talking about relationships, I want it to be a real conversation. I don't want to start going through the fluff. I can go and present to you all the fluff and all the nice things, but instead I'm going to present to you your own stories, your own questions in your own words. And I'm going to answer them as best I can, but it could be, that in the result of answering them, because it's your question, I'm going to offend you. And I may have to say things that are going to really hurt you. Because relationships are so serious, they go to the core of who we are. It is, in my humble opinion, though some of the scientists in the room would disagree with me, it's the top. It's the top of, it's the most important thing that we should be doing and occupied with in our lives, especially in our young adult lives. Now, what ends up happening is we spend our entire childhood looking forward to the education that we're going to get. The education we're going to get is so that we can get a job. I, w I was once sitting on a, I was, I was 15 years old and I was sitting on a bus with a friend of mine and we were having a existential life conversation. You know, those 15 year old conversations about the meaning of life and the purpose of being here and there, I saw there's an elderly African-American gentleman. I, I'm from Chicago. I grew up in Chicago. So I'm sitting on this bus, and this guy's kind of overhearing our conversation. In the middle of our conversation, he kind of takes his cane, and he taps me on the leg, and we both turn to him. And he looks at me, and he says, 
You want to know about life? I'll tell you about life. You're born, start going to school. Why do you go to school? So you can go to more school. Why do you go to that school? So you can go to high school. Why do you go to high school? So you can go to college. Why do you go to college? So you can go to more college. Why do you go to college? So you can get a, a career. Why do you get a career? So you can have a family. Why do you have a family? So they can, they can do the same darn thing over again. Life is short. Live it up. I don't believe that this man is true. Very, very nice, cutesy thing, but it's not true. Life is not short. It's not, life is not meant to live it up. Our lives are meant to be meaningful or purposeful. The purpose of living in this world is to make this world a better place. Now, there's very many various ways that we can make this world a better place. One of those ways, a primary way, is to get married. The satisfaction that two people have in a long-term relationship is greater than many other types of satisfaction. And you don't know that until you're in a long-term relationship. I can only tell you about 12 years worth of marriage. But I think 12 years in this day and age is long enough to know that a a long-term relationship, that satisfaction is so powerful. It's so real. And you can't replace that in what's become one-night stands or whatever else is going on out there. You can't replace it. You can't compare that satisfaction with any other satisfaction. And so... How do we do it? How do we draw that line in between to kind of put together the web of of our lives and our relationships? Because the fact of the matter is, I told you I'm going to offend you. So here's my first offensive thing. The fact of the matter is, is that you are the common denominator in all your failed relationships. You are the common denominator in all your failed relationships. And until you will take responsibility for everything you have or haven't done, you can't move forward. It's your life. Grab hold of it. If you've been focusing on your career, that's okay. Just say it. Say it to yourself. Look in the mirror and say, I have been focusing on my career and... I have not had time for relationships. So the fact that I'm not married or I'm not in a serious relationship, it's my fault because I wasn't focused on it. Is that fair? It's my fault because I didn't give it priority. You see, there are big things in your life. Buying a house is a big thing. Getting married is a big thing. Uh, A death, heaven forbid, in the family. That's a a big thing. Having a child one day, it's it's a big thing. Career, that's a big thing. You can't be focused on five big things at once. That is the recipe for disaster. So often, whether you're conscious about it or you're not, you'll end up being focused on one of those five big things at a time. If you're doing two in a year, that is going to be quite overwhelming for you. For example, couples who who get married and buy a house in the same year, it is extremely overwhelming. Or if they're buying a house and having children in the same year, which is very common, extremely overwhelming. You'll end up, by default, focusing on one. So if you are very career-focused, you're probably not going to be as relationship-focused, which really means, because relationship is such a big one, means that you're not relationship-focused. You're career-focused, and that's okay. So what I want you to do is 
validate that. Say to yourself, I am really career focused right now. I'm not in a relationship focused. You need to be focused on that, which means if I have something that is for my job and something that is for my personal life, which one is going to take priority? Now, of course, you're probably thinking to yourself, if your mind's not wandering right now, but if you're probably thinking to yourself, just bring it all back. But of course I would take, I, I would take care of myself first. Really? How often are you burning the midnight oil for your job? How often are you thinking, and even if you're not at the job, how often are you preoccupied with your job? If the office is leaving you or you are leaving the office, that's a very important question. If you leave the office and the office follows you, then you are career focused. If you are leaving the office and the office doesn't follow you, then you are relationship focused. Now, in our world, you're talking about things that are very hard. No one ever taught us this stuff. No one ever said this. Years ago, people knew these things because relationships, long-term relationships, a.k.a. marriage, was very important years ago. Today, it's not as important. We have to be independent. And I'm all for independence. But it's amazing. Women's Lib has done incredible things to the world, and I would never, and no one in this room, I hope, would say they'd never take it back. It's done incredible things in progressing women in every way besides one. Relationships. Relationships have failed as a result of Women's Lib. And it's very hard for me to say it. Very hard. It's very hard to be honest and open about it. But now that we are smarter and now that we're not as worried as they were 30, 40 years ago, we now can have real conversations and we could say, what do we do? How do we recapture relationships? How do we recapture the relationship in the 21st century? In 2017, what are we going to do today that is going to recapture that because it just keeps on going more and more downhill. I mean, just the introduction of all of these new dating apps. I mean, just, and I'm sorry to say it, but the Tinder just, it changed everything. It changed everything in so many ways. Everything has become disposable relationships. Included. So how do we recapture that? What do we do? And people ask me this all the time. Where do I go? How do I recapture if I want to be in a serious relationship? How do I do that? And I think that is the core question that we have to start asking ourselves. I'm not saying that I have an answer for you. I don't think it'd be fair if I said I had a quick fix answer. It's a very important question and it's a personal question to ask yourself, what am I going to do in my life? Number one, what is my priority? What am I going to focus on more than everything else? It could be, as somebody said before, when you were all introducing yourself, somebody said that I was focused for these many years on my job and my career, and now I'm ready to get focused on relationships. I like that. That's being honest. That honesty is what is going to propel your relationship forward. You will probably, that person, people like that are going to be in serious relationships and probably will end up getting married soon. There's a lot of people who I meet who say, Rabbi, please set me up with someone. I get that a lot. A lot. And I want to set everybody up. I don't consider myself a matchmaker. You all know that. But if I can help, I'll help. And if it means I have to set you up, I'll set you up. But I can't set up someone who's not serious, who's not interested in a relationship. 
there are a lot of people who, yeah, hypothetically, they want to have, you know, oh, I have my personal assistant, I have my personal trainer, I have my this, and I want my personal rabbi to set me up. I can't set you up if it's not your priority right now, if you're not serious about it right now. So what I'm going to do right now is I want to hear your questions. And then I'm going to go back and forth, and hopefully as a result, over the course of tonight's class, we'll be able to have some kind of clarity in your lives. This is about you and your life. For those people who are watching live on Facebook, you're welcome to write. I can see your questions, so you can write your questions in the comments. And uh, let's go from there. So I'm just doing this at random. My first question for the evening, anonymously, is how do we meet our soulmate? Well, in order to understand how to meet your soulmate, you probably have to know what a soul is and what a mate is. I know the person was probably thinking, there's like, Rabbi, like, introduce me to somebody. And I'm saying, well, there's a lot more to it than just me introducing you to someone. This is what I've seen. I've been involved in a lot of people's lives. A lot of people who said they never get married have gotten married. They got married when they had a mind shift. Something changed in their life. We're like, it could have been a physical change, an emotional change, a spiritual change. Something changes. And part of that change in their life is they become their soul, their mind, and their heart become a little more in sync. Because so often we want one thing, but we're attracted to something else. So if you want one thing and you're attracted to something else, what happens then? The person who could be, as this person writes, your soulmate, will be right in front of you, but you'd have no idea. There's a study that came out from the University of Michigan about two years ago that said that by the time someone is 35 years old, they will have met four people that they could have married. Should I say that again? Or you got it? That's it. Shaking of the head, you got it. <clears throat> Four people that you could have married. Could you imagine that? So why didn't you marry them? Simply because you weren't ready. That acknowledgement is so, so powerful. It could be that you're not ready. And that's okay. Nobody said you had to be ready today. But how do I meet my soulmate? I make sure that I'm ready for it. And then you're going to say to me, but I'll never be ready. True, you'll never be ready but you could be in the right space to be able to, to meet your soulmate. Being in the right space is the following. You have to get in touch with your soul, <coughs> spirituality, things that you do. This class is a great start, but there's more than that. It's just this class. Get in touch with your soul. And then once you're in touch with your soul, you have to think about what it is that you're looking for. Now, how do you know what you're looking for? For those of you who have never taken my questionnaire, I urge you to take it. I have a four-part questionnaire. I can send it to you after today's class. I urge you to take it. It is a whole process, a self-exploring process to be able to know what you're looking for and who you are. Then, what you're going to find is your soulmate is your complement. Your soulmate is not your brother or sister. So many people are looking 
for the same, the same. I, I, sometimes I look at these profiles and I'm like, da, 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 yes, looking for same. Basically, they're just looking for, I don't know what it is, like maybe themselves in someone else. No, you're yourself. You're unique. Nobody's going to be like you. The person you're going to be married to, can I say the word married? Is that okay? Is that too offensive here? Sometimes the big M word is offensive. The person that you're going to be married to is going to be your complement. What does compliment mean? I'm going to give you a little bit of an insight into matchmaking. Compliment means that if you, let's just say superficially, if you are an introvert, there's a good chance you're going to marry an extrovert. If you're an extrovert, there's a good chance you marry an introvert. That's complimentary. That's good because the two of you together, you complete each other. One of you is going to say, tonight we're staying in. The other one's going to say, tonight we're going out. That kind of thing. I'm just giving you superficial examples. Can you think of other superficial examples, anyone? What is complimentary in a relationship? Someone who's shy and someone who's uh, very talkative. Yeah, someone who's shy, someone who's talkative. What else? Rational Rational thinker and emotional thinker. Very good. I like that a lot. What else? Someone who's realistic and someone who's not. Yes. Often you'll find in couples, there's one who's very down to earth and one who's in the clouds. That's fine. If you're someone who's in the clouds, you got to find someone down to earth. They got to bring it down. If you're someone who's really super down to earth, you don't want to find someone else who's super down to earth. You're going to be in big trouble. What else? Yes. There's probably going to be someone who's more talkative in the relationship and someone who's more subdued. What else? Someone who spends more and someone who's more frugal. That's going to be a common thing in relationships. Now, what's interesting is you're probably thinking to yourself, and a lot of people think this, that I'm a little worried now because if I'm going to marry someone, let's say I'm frugal and someone who's a, spend, who's, who's, who's a spender, then we're going to be fighting a lot. That's where communication is so important in the beginning of marriage. I have a whole program that I do with all the couples that I marry. It's a whole premarital program. It's 10 sessions, it was anywhere between 6 and 10 sessions, and we talk about these things. Talk about how to fight, we talk about how to communicate, how to argue. Those are things that are just semantics that relationships need, that couples need in order to make it work. But the nature of couples is that complementary things are very good. People need those compliments, because if you're going to marry someone who is exactly who you are, you're going to end up... First of all, it's not going to be spicy. Just saying. Boring. It's okay. Boring is, to a certain extent, in a long-term relationship, boring is good. But at the same time, you want something that's exciting. Yeah, exactly. Here, there's a good one. The Ashkenazi Sephardic. Someone told me this. I don't know if this is a fact. As a matchmaker, I can't validate this. But they say the best match is a Ashkenazi man and a Sephardi woman. So, so, so they say, and the, uh, the worst match is <laughs> the opposite. I don't know that. As, I, I, I've seen that a little bit, but I can't validate that. But I guess people are agreeing with me here. So maybe you have some experience that I don't. <laughs> so if these Ashkenaz and, and married in Moroccan, so there's a, there's a good one right there. You see, so we have some good examples. They definitely work. I, I definitely know from the couples that I've set up and the couples that I see that are married, it definitely works. Well, what's another example? I mean, it's the opposite of her. 
Oh, it's the opposite. Oh, it's the opposite. Yeah, it's the opposite. My sister married. Yeah. Uh, and it's hard? It's difficult? Or it's good? They've been together almost 36 years. Okay, but, so. Uh, okay, so. The, ham- there. the hammer came out once more. Okay, there it goes. <laughs> okay. What happens here stays here, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what happens here ends up live on Facebook. <laughs> careful, careful. Okay. 3.2 billion. <laughs> what else? What else? Any other compliments that you can think of? So here you go. So how do we meet our soulmates? Get in touch with your soul and then find someone who's your compliment. That's my answer. Next question. How do you know if the relationship you are in is the right one? Sorry about that. No hammer came out How do you know if the relationship you're in is the right one? Well, the right one, I'm assuming, meaning that you're in a relationship and you want it to go to the next level. So how do you know it's right? That's a very big question, and it's a very personal question. I don't know if I can answer it. There's no blanket answer for how do I know this relationship is the right one. So there's things that are going to be telltale signs in your relationship. For example, um, how, what's happening? You see, the problem is, in our society, there's kind of no rules of engagement. We need some rules of engagement, which means that we end up doing what I call dating to death. A lot of couples get into this zone where we're dating for a while, but the problem is that we've been dating so long, but we can't get engaged. And we're only dating like six months. You know, like, that would be weird. Like everyone's going to say, you're dating, oh my gosh, so soon. But the truth is that you ask the couple once they're married, they're like, yeah, we knew right away. So why did it take you a year and a half or two years or three years? That's a big problem. So for some people it works, but for some people it's really problematic and really complicated. For some people, they, what I'm calling day to death, the relationship just soured because there is a progress, there's a process to a relationship. You start off in that awkward courting stage where everything's kind of awkward and then slowly, slowly, slowly you build up and you become closer, you become closer. And eventually you can only become so close unless you, so to speak, tie the knot. There's only so close you can come. I mean, which means that if you've been in a relationship for seven years and you haven't gotten engaged, you're only, only in a relationship for the same time that you've been in a relationship from day one. There is a process. The process is you court. After a certain time, there's an engagement. There's a marriage. There's the process of a marriage, how the marriage grows. There's the first 18 months of marriage. There's the first three years of marriage and seven years and 18 years. There's different, there's different I mean, these are all generalizations, obviously, but there's different points of the marriage. That's how it was. Now, if, if you, because you're afraid of moving on for whatever reason, if you kind of stop somewhere in that process, you can hurt the relationship. That is very common. I said I'm going to offend people tonight. So here's, an, here's another offensive statement. It's more common, science has shown, in children from divorced couples. If you are from a divorced home, you are going to have a much harder time being in a serious relationship because subconsciously or even consciously, you don't know what relationship looks like. Today, with divorce rate over 50%, a lot of kids come from divorced homes and they're having a really hard time seeing the value in a long-term relationship. That's a problem. That's a big problem. We're not seeing the value in that because we don't even know what it looks like. We don't have a role model. So, 
Three simple things that I would say from a, for a child from a divorced home. Number one, you should decide. You don't have to even talk to your parents if you don't want to. To decide why your parents got divorced. Number two, decide that it's not your fault because it really isn't. But a lot of kids who are a product of divorce before the age of 15 think it's their fault. Very common because they just don't know better. But decide it's not your fault. And number three, most importantly, you need to decide what you're going to do differently. So number one, decide why your parents got divorced. If it's true or not, it's just your narrative. You need your own narrative. It's so important. Number two, make sure that you know that it's not your fault. And number three, what are you going to do different? What will you do differently? And number four, added bonus, if you can, find a marriage mentor. Find a couple. It could be a family, a relative, a sibling, a, a aunt and uncle, a, a, a grandparent, a very close friend. Say, this is what I want mar- my marriage to look like. And then interview them. And make them nuts. And figure out what makes it tick. Because in the beginning, they're going to be like, I don't know. It's just, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. They're not going to answer you. But you really want to find out what makes these people tick. If you don't see your parents as a role model for relationships, yes. That applies too. If you, if you, your parents are fighting a lot and you just don't see the relationship your parents have. See, what ends up happening is people who don't do that, they either marry someone like their mom or dad or they marry someone exactly the opposite of their mom and dad. So having gone through that process, you're going to marry your own person and you're going to be confident and happy about it. You're not going to marry someone like your mom and dad or the opposite of your mom and dad, which is very common. You'll find that. I'm sure you're probably thinking of some relationships you know and probably that happened. So the more conscious you are today before you start the process, the better it's going to be for you long term. Um, not a divorce, I'm not from a divorce family, but like you said, a 15 year old kid, unless, uh, like, would they know how their, par- how their, their parents are? We're not talking to 15 year olds, I'm talking to, no, to no, all of you. No, no, because I have somebody in mind. Yes. So 15 years and less, and they're looking for somebody when they're growing up. They don't really know their parents how they were because they were divorced. So how can you say that, yes, I'm going to be looking for somebody like my mom or like my dad or maybe the officer. If technically, the child doesn't really know them because they always like ping pong from one side to the other. Right. So it's a big problem. And that's what I'm saying is when you get older and you're ready for a serious relationship, what's important is that you create your own narrative. You see, Stories don't really exist and narratives don't exist, but they're so important because they define our life story and the way that we're going to navigate the world. And people who end up in really difficult relationships and enmeshed relationships and in relationships that are not healthy often happen because they didn't go through this process. And the process can take a grand total of 20 minutes. That's what, that's all I'm saying. It's not a very deep soul searching process. It's just going through that. If you are from a divorced home or for your parents were in a relationship that you are not satisfied that it's your kind of relationship, you need to go through this simple process. And if you are not comfortable or you don't know how to do this, then therapy is great and wonderful. Find a good therapist. What I would recommend is find a marriage oriented therapist. I actually, um, When it comes to couple counseling and counseling around serious relationships, I highly recommend someone who is currently married. 
I know there's a lot of great people who have been married. Maybe a widow or a widower is fine, but someone who's divorced, I would not recommend a therapist who's divorced because subconsciously they're divorced. I mean, sorry. I told you I'm going to offend somebody, so I'm offending those therapists. I'm sorry. If you're one of those therapists, I'm sorry. So that's okay. If you're a therapist, don't say it. The point... The, the, the point here is, is that you want a therapist if you need one that is marriage-oriented. Marriage-oriented means married or has been in, a, in their lives in a serious relationship for a long time. In a healthy, serious relationship. Well, you don't know if they're healthy, you can't know that, but that's something I would ask a therapist before I, I, I started. That would be an important question for a therapist. So um, how do I know if it's the right one? Well, like I said before, it could be that you're 35 and you've had four right ones, but you weren't ready. So be ready. And how do you, if you're in a relationship, I'm just going to, I'm going to answer that because if you're in a relationship currently and you want to know they're the right one, I'm going to say something that you may not understand. You just know it and trust yourself. Don't convolute it. Don't make it complicated. Just trust who you are when you know it. You know it and allow the whole person of who you are to thrive. Don't be worried. If you're worried or you're concerned, that's normal. Everybody has jitters. Everybody is scared because it's a big decision. But don't overdo it and don't blow it up and make it something that it's not. It's beautiful. And the satisfaction of a long-term relationship is beautiful. It's okay. If you need to go through this process, go through it before you get in the relationship. If you're in the relationship now, then you have to allow the relationship to progress. Don't hold it back. Don't be scared. And please, don't say there's someone better out there. Because all you need is one. Don't hold out for someone better. I hate that. I see it. I hear that so often. There's got to be someone better. There's got to be someone. What do you mean there's someone better? The person that you're in the relationship with now, that's the better you know how you know? Because you're in the relationship. Why do you have to look outside the relationship? Why do you have to look for something else? If it, so if you've gone through my process, and like I said, if you haven't done it, I urge you to email me right after the class and I'm going to send you this process. So you're going to know who you are. You're going to know what you're looking for. And, that, and you're going to have a checklist. And if that person meets everything that your criteria and they're good on paper and they're good in chemistry, that is the one and that's the better. Don't be worried. Just have that confidence and let the whole spirit and the whole person shine and thrive. Yes, what's your question? So the question is, if you feel that there's someone better out there for you, maybe that's not the one, because that's a feeling. So there's two types of feelings. It's a good question, and... What I'll say is there's two types of feelings. There's the feelings that you're uncertain, you don't know. That feeling of, un, of, of not knowing and uncertainty needs to have clarity. So what you need is a personal mentor, therapist, a spiritual mentor, or whatever, whatever you're comfortable with. It could be a rabbi or a rabbitson or someone like that. Someone you're comfortable with, who you can ask that question for, who can give you that guidance and that clarity. So there's that element of it because you just don't know. And then there's the elements where you're just not feeling like... Just something is wrong. So if that is the situation, one of two things could apply. 
Either it could be that you don't know yourself, you don't know what you're looking for, and you can be in that category that the University of Michigan was talking about in their study, that you could have been the right one, but you didn't know because you didn't know what you were looking for. Or it could be that there's some kind of telltale sign that's telling you this is not right. In order to do that, once again, I highly recommend that you have a personal mentor, someone who you trust, who is marriage-minded, who's married, who believes in marriage, who, if it comes to a situation like that, you can ask them that question and you will listen to their advice. If you have a mentor that you don't listen to, they're not a mentor. If It's not a survey. Often, somehow, since uh, Family Feud started, everybody thinks that everything's a survey. It's not always a survey. Sometimes you need someone who you're going to be able to listen to. You're going to say, yes, I actually have never been in this situation before. I don't know what kind of husband and wife I'm going to be. I'm going, to, I'm going to offend somebody now also. I'm sorry if I offend you. But I'm going to say that a lot of people say to me, well, I don't, I don't know what kind of husband or wife they're going to be. So I'm a little scared. So I'll tell you a little secret. You want to look at how they are around the people they have to be around. Which means how they are around their friends is not a good telltale sign because that's easy to be around. Yeah, you come and go. But how they are to their parents, how they are to their siblings... Those are people they have to be around. Usually people who have good relationship with their parents or their siblings will probably have a good relationship with their spouse. Those are people that have to be around. We don't choose our family. They choose us. We do choose our friends. And how come we have more family than friends? Anyway, so you want to look at the people that you want to look at the person if they have a good, if they have a difficult relationship with one of their parents or their parents, it could be a telltale sign. I'm just saying that. Does that answer your question? Okay. Sure. No, so I, I'm going to repeat it for the people who are listening here because they couldn't hear you. So you're saying that sometimes you see people who clash with their parents. It doesn't mean that they're bad people. It is true. There are particular situations, but you ha again, having a mentor who can help you define that. I'm just giving you, I'm generalizing a lot of things. So I'm just giving you little things kind of, what I said I would give tonight is Jewish dating secrets. I'm giving you little secrets that are little kind of pointers that maybe will help you point in the right direction. So that instead of saying, often when it comes to these kinds of emotions, we're like, I don't know what's going on. There's the guy with the wine behind me. What's his name? <laughs> There's a guy walking around with wine here. I'm just saying. So... What I want to do tonight, I'm just giving you pointers, things that you can think about, because often when it comes to emotions, we're scared and we don't know why. We can't qualify it. We can't quantify it. We can't really understand what's going on. So what I'm giving you tonight here is just simple telltale signs that are going to help you. Next question. And if you have any questions here, please. I mean, I'm just going to go through this as well. Should you... Should your heart... What does that mean? Should your heart go boom? Oh, should your heart. Thank you. Thank you. I need a French person. Yes. <laughs> should, should your heart go boom? It's in quotations exclaimed when you meet someone for the first time. So the question, I assume, from the person who asked it is, do you believe in love at first sight? This is what I believe. I believe easy come, easy go. Good things in life take work. 
good things in life are not going to be that. Now, I do think that chemistry is powerful, and there there is, and I there is a such a thing as love at first sight. But there's, if you have love at first sight, you also need love at second sight. So love at first sight is not enough. It's great if you ever have it. There are some people who do it. It's few and far between. Those people who have it, we consider them lucky. I would say they have good mazal. They have good luck. But I wouldn't say that if your heart, I'm going to say the opposite. A lot of people are looking for the fireworks. They're looking for the heart to go boom. And what ends up happening is their heart never goes boom, so they they don't get it. Look, Rabbi, number one thing I hear when I set people up, just didn't feel it. What does that mean? I don't understand what that means. Didn't feel, what does that mean? What are you looking for? I, I wish that I could just have this little mechanism that's like you push a button and the heart goes, this is the one. I don't really understand. People are looking for something that doesn't exist. And that's the problem. If the fireworks didn't exist, if there wasn't that spark and the first date or the first meeting, it's not good. I want to tell you, there's never been, I'm not going to say it never, never is a big word. There rarely is a first date in history that's not awkward. It's supposed to be awkward. It's an awkward situation. You take two people that, whatever, and you put them together and it's going to be awkward. So what ends up happening in our crazy society is everybody says, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to destroy that by having a dating app. And I'm just going to go swipe right, swipe left, and that's it. I'm going to destroy that awkwardness because there was the awkward right on the dating app. It's still awkward. It's always going to be awkward. There's no way. And very few people actually have that, what is called in this question, the boom. So love at first sight is not good without love at second sight. So why do you need love at first sight? If you have it, good on you, Mike. It's your mazel. That's wonderful. That's amazing. But if you don't have it, you're probably along with 99% of the rest of society. Answer the question from whoever answered. Good. So you're saying that you always felt, I'm just repeating it for the people here, you always felt that at the first date if you felt calm that it was a telltale sign. It's a good telltale sign because it's a pleasant person and you want to, it means that there's something here. But it could be that you'll be awkward. You won't be calm because it's your nerves, not the other person. Nothing to do with the other person. But, but that, I, I would say that is a good little secret, a little good telltale sign. It's fake. Yeah. Since we like, we now we talk genetically this, genetically that, can we like genetically change human beings? Put like you know red, green, and orange on our forehead, and meet you. It's green, perfect. Red, my, is good. Mix. In my humble opinion, there's still a god in the world. Don't not every, so, not everything, not so everything can we create. So not everything simple. can we create. By the way, for people who are who are listening, who are watching on Facebook, you can ask questions over here and here. And if you're also watching and you want to come join us, you can come down and join us right here. Science is not able to make perfect matches. A lot of it's emotion. I like that. I love all these. There's so many people in this room in the medical field. They must be Jewish. There is a thing, right? I'm sorry. To, I'm not saying anything against, but there is a thing, right? Visually, the way you talk. We have to add artificial intelligence on top of that. Okay. Just so the just so the people on Facebook will talk about this later. Here's my next question. 
What is the risk of marrying or dating someone less religious than me or not religious at all if I care about tradition? I'll say that again because that's a really tough question. What is the risk of marrying or dating someone less religious than me or not religious at all if I care about tradition? So um, if you take my little questionnaire, you're going to see that there are things that you have to decide that are important to you. If religion or tradition, I like this word tradition, if tradition is important to you, then that's important to you. It's a non-negotiable. Now, if the person is not currently traditional, does that mean that you can't be married to them? Well, it's a very tough question. I have to generalize here because we're in a group setting. But every single, the answer to this question is going to be very individual. Tradition if it's important to you, it's very important to you. But on a generalizing matter, if a woman is more traditional than a man, the couple will be more traditional. If the man is more traditional than the woman, there's going to be some clashes there. I'm not saying it hasn't worked. I have counseled many, many couples through that where the, the woman is less traditional than the man. It has worked. It does work. But generalizing, it's it's more complicated, generally, because that's just the way it is. So if tradition is important to you and the person is anti-tradition, I would say I would stay away. If the person's anti-tradition, if the person is indifferent about it, depends on what level of tradition. If you are someone who's, let's say, religious, and that religious experience is very important to you, then you're going to have to find someone who is open and understanding. You can't. You don't want to get into a situation where you're living two separate lives. That's not fair. You don't want to say, oh, well, you do the synagogue in the morning and I'm going to go, I don't know, shopping. Yeah. So it does, it does work. I'm not saying it's impossible. I, I'm generalizing here for the sake of this conversation. It's very individual. I have guided couples through it and it, it does work. But generalizing it, it, if tradition is important to you, I would say if it's on your list of top five then keep it there and make sure the person feels the same way. It's very hard when you have both. I mean, I have a family member who's yeah. relationship, I guess, and the woman is more religious. Very hard. Very hard. You may assume, oh, they're going to change, they're going to change. Right. They're going to change this much, not as much as you wish, and you got to live with it, and you have kids and all that, so you live with it. It also depends Well, of course not, but people do, do say that. Anyone here on Facebook that has any questions? I'm of course here. We you can just put it in the comments here. Right. Sorry for everybody here. We're we're just having a we're having a conversation here, but we'll we'll get back to you soon. <laughs> but it had to there had to be some major change in the life that he kind of said switch. If there wasn't that, he would have probably stayed the same. Certain ways. But like everybody has changed their lives. 
Oh, I'm not, I'm not saying you know things can happen or not happen. You know, there's so many variables in the world that you can't get anything. You can't, but I'm talking about. I think it's. I think it's a very. It's a very good change. This much. I think that your story is an exact is an example of how it could work and it's possible. And I think it has to be dealt. There's certain things that have to be dealt with on a case by case basis, and that you have to know that your life is not a generalization. It's not a study. It's individual and it's personal. And take control of it. That's my statement. So my next question here. You ready here? Where's my husband? <clears throat> what voodoo magic can I do to bring him closer? I don't know voodoo magic. I don't know if there is a voodoo and magic together. It may be an, it may be an oxymoron on its own. It's all of our questions together. Where's my husband and how can I bring him closer? That's a great question. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer this question in a very different way than I've answered all the other questions here tonight. I'm going to say that there's actually what we call the Sephardim notice in the room, Sigulot. There are certain things that you could do to bring him or her closer. We believe as Jews that there's things that you can do. So the, the Rebbe used to answer certain people and tell them things that they could do. So I'll give you a list of things the Rebbe often told people that are spiritual things that you can do to bring them closer, which is, I guess, we call Jewish voodoo magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, number one is to, um, to take on a mitzvah of some sort that is beyond your means, something that you would never do, but you do it saying, I'm going to do this specifically to find my soulmate. You take on one that's a well above, something you'd never do without it, and you say to God, I'm doing this as a vessel because every blessing in your life needs a, a vessel, a spiritual and a physical vessel. So you're taking on this mitzvah as a physical vessel for the spiritual blessings in your life. Number two is um, there's different things about giving charity. You give charity every, there's one of giving charity every single day, denominations of 18, 18 cents, $18, whatever it is, but give it every single day. And then there is a special is giving charity to a needy bride. Also that is considered, or if you know of a needy bride or someone getting married, you should actually offer to physically help them physically help them with their wedding. Um, Not necessarily with money, if you can't do money, but to actually physically say, you know, what can I do to help you prepare for your wedding? Can I be your, your uh, assistance during this time? And just being involved with that bride or groom in the wedding preparations, that alone is very powerful. Other things uh, that the Rebbe said that you could do that would help uh, bring that person closer is you can take on a particular study a, a Torah study that, again, is something you probably would not do on your own. You wouldn't just wake up one morning and say, I'm going to do this, but you take on a daily ritual of Torah study and you say that I'm taking this on on, on as a merit or as a sibula or for, in order for me to find my soulmate. And there's lists. If you have, I actually have a list that I wrote full of all different sibulot and things that the Rebbe had written to people about things that they can do, and there's about 40 or 50 things on that list that you can choose from. If you'd like... Again, after the class, you can email me and I'll send it to you. 
Hopefully you'll do it afterwards. Hopefully become, it'll become so, so second nature that you'll keep on doing it. But these are things that you take on. These are things you take on specifically in order to be able to find, to, to, to find your soulmate. And again, you wouldn't do it regularly. It wouldn't be something that you'd be interested in regularly, but you're doing it because you're trying to bring down a blessing that is greater than regular blessings. We all need that vessel. Think about it. If you want to, you have to have a blessing that will hold it. I mean, you have to, so if you want a blessing, you have to have a vessel that's going to hold it. So it's that simple. You have to figure out a vessel, a spiritual vessel that's big enough that can hold a blessing. And my humble opinion, marriage is one of those big things that needs a big vessel to hold it in a lot of ways. Okay. Here's the next question. Um, Someone on Facebook said, can I ask you a question? Please, please ask a question and I will answer it. Absolutely. This is, uh, we, can, we can all benefit from your questions as well. Does Rabbi Bernath believe in luck in love? Or do you make your own luck in love? I think there are some people who have mazal. They have luck. And they're very, for whatever reason, things they've done, vessels, spiritual things they've done in their life, they actually have a certain amount of mazal. We know there's certain things that they've taken on. And as a result they may have it easier for whatever reason than others. And other people have it a little harder. So I do think there's some people who are luckier than others, but I do believe that everyone deserves to be happy and to be in a serious long-term relationship. And it's our job to take our life in our own hands and to make that happen. It's not going to happen by itself. I don't believe that... I, I've always said I don't believe in Besherit. Besherit means you know, that, that destined one or the soulmate. I do believe that there's a soulmate, but I don't believe it's just going to come to you. I believe you have to do things in order to make it happen. It's just not, you can't just go and, and put the covers over your head in your bed and expect that someone's going to knock on your door. You have to go, just you have to go out there and you have to do whatever, whatever is necessary to make that happen. <clears throat> Moving right along. If you have any questions, it's very quiet in the room, so please. Okay, here's a great one here. How do I know if he or she is marriage material? In this city, you can probably ask me and I'll tell you. (laughs) I don't know about Toronto. Um, How do I know if he or she is marriage material? It's a really tough thing to know, but you need to know what you're looking for and you need to be able to see the telltale signs of that other person. So if you know what you're looking for, there's a lot of people who are not marriage material, but when they find the right person, they become marriage material. That also happens. So I don't think it's fair to say this person maybe has a past or something that they maybe dated a lot of people. It could be, but it could be they weren't ready. It could be it wasn't the right person. It doesn't. Timing is everything. In Judaism, we believe timing is everything. So if timing is everything, then it could be that now is the right time. So it could be they weren't marriage material before, and now they are marriage material. Next question. And please, once again, people on Facebook, you're welcome to ask as well. What do you do when a girl doesn't want you, but you know she loves you? I don't know what that means. What do you mean? I think that the person who wrote this question, with all due respect, I told you I'm going to offend people today. Um, You need to uh, figure out what's going on in your life. So you need to... If you are... So I'm assuming... This person, I like that it's anonymous so I can call you out so you can hear me and everyone else can benefit from, from this. I'm assuming this person is infatuated with someone. 
there's a lot of people this happens where people can't get married because there's someone who's taking over their minds. They were in a, they dated someone or they were in a relationship and it ended very sourly and they literally are still there. They're still there. They haven't left that relationship. They think about that person constantly. They fantasize about that person. That is someone who's still in a relationship. It could be the person hasn't thought about you in years. If you still think about them, if you are, if you, the person who's asking this question, it means that you need, you're stuck, you're stuck and that's okay. But acknowledging that is really amazing and therapy can help that. A good mentor can help that. Um, a little bit of soul searching and change can help that, but this is someone who is stuck and I, I feel for you really. It's very tough. Relationships are tough. Next question. If someone else has a question, by the way, if you want to be anonymous also, you can just, I don't know, we can pass the thing around again. What? What should I do if someone tries to introduce me to someone who seems great, a great person, but I don't find them good looking? So... <laughs> I'm not going to repeat that answer. Uh, you don't find them good looking. You someone introduce you to someone, and you don't find them good looking. Somehow, in all of magazines that are sold in America, People Magazine and Us Weekly accounts for seventy-two percent of all magazine sales. How many magazines are there in America? Thousands. There's thousands of magazines. And those two magazines are those kinds, those tabloid magazines, account for 72%. We have in our society an unrealistic look of what the person that we're going to have to walk down the red carpet with. I don't know if you're ever going to be walking down the red carpet. And if you are, whoever that person is, I hope they love you. And I hope that you don't look at the celebrities as good examples for relationships because very few of them have good, have good examples of relationships. And we live vicariously through the movies. Romantic comedies are the most popular genre. Oh, sorry, horror is the most popular genre. Sorry. Romantic comedies is number two. Romantic comedies are great because they are two-hour relationships. So if you want a two-hour relationship, look at the romantic comedy because it has a beginning, a middle, and an end, usually, in two hours. If you want a serious long-term relationship, don't look at the movies. But... Here's the problem. A lot of people are not here listening to this. So where else are you going to find that relationship advice besides the tabloid magazines and romantic comedies? So what's happening is subconsciously, subconsciously, we are getting our relationship advice through these mechanisms that are not helping us and they're not working for us. So... If you find the person is not good looking, I have a humble opinion and it's a generalization, but please give him a try. What is a cup of coffee going to do? Didn't hurt anybody. Give him a try. They may be good looking in the second time. If they, the chemistry repulses you, that's a different story. If you don't, can't find the chemistry. Now, chemistry is a funny thing because there's a lot of people According to a sign, the, the doctors in the room can tell me, but there's apparently there's people who have heightened levels of electromagnetic energy. They call themselves, that's what we call attractive. They have attractive energies. 
about them. The popular ones, the ones who were popular in school, are, are they're attractive because they have these heightened levels of electromagnetic energy. If that's true about that particular person. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're attractive. The people who you want you, you so that attraction it could be that that is not you know that is not that chemistry is not happening right away. So it may take some time. Every relationship is different. Every situation is going to be different. So it's not fair for you to judge on first sight. I like to say, in my perfect world, blind dates are the best. I, if I had a choice of how to set people up, I would only set up blind dates. Actually, I did it for a year. I did it for a year. I only set up blind dates, and my success rate was 80, 80%. People got married. did it four years, four years ago. Three years ago? Three or four years ago. I did the, a one year, I did a test of only setting up blind dates, and people got married. More than any other year I've ever had. I had a tremendous amount of marriages. Because there are so many factors that put that, that face. Look, you walked in tonight, you looked around the room. I don't know. I saw it. Come on. Don't deny it. Like, that was nice. Okay. Like, I really, oh, come on. Like, I really just came to hear the rabbi. <laughs> I didn't come to meet anybody. I know, I know. You only came to hear the rabbi. You didn't come to meet anybody. That's wonderful. But look at what you did to that face. Look at what you do when you're swiping right and swiping left. It's a face. That's not fair. It's a person. There's a soul there. A real person with a heart and a mind who actually could be your soulmate. There's probably someone special out there, but you just were swiping or you were just looking around. How many people I set up and they're like, I know that person. Really? What do you know about them? You saw them at an event for two minutes. You looked at their face. You know them. You don't know anything about them. And because of these kind of situations, I often have a very hard time, especially in a city like Montreal, setting people up because everyone knows each other. No, you don't. And if you went to school with them when you were seven, it doesn't mean you know them either. Because I hope that by the time they, get, they become 30, 23 years, there's a lot of time for them to change. And they're not the same person they were when they were, when they were seven. That's why I find the people who come to Montreal with no history, no baggage, they have a much easier time. They didn't go to school with them. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. Or maybe they don't. She's saying I don't. Okay, they don't. It's tough, but don't judge a face by a face. Don't judge, judge a book by its cover. Don't judge a face by a face. Next question. Do long distance relationships work? Oh, I've written a lot about this. Anyone who uh, reads my articles, you know I've written a lot about long distance. I do think there are many long distance relationships that work and many that don't. What I do... I have two problems. I, first of all, a lot of great things about long-distance relationships because the fact that they're not, you're not physically touching. By the way, my humble opinion, science can back me up on this. I know that you expect this to hear this from a rabbi, but I'm going to say it anyway. Physical touch distorts relationships. You think it's love when it's lust. It's very hard. I know it's very hard in our society, and I know that that's a very difficult statement to say and I know what you're going through. I know what you're thinking. But physical touch will distort the relationship. It makes the relationship more impassioned much quicker. And what ends up happening is two things. Either it goes... Or it becomes very intense. And you get really distorted and you don't know what to do about it. And you get really confused and the whole thing becomes really convoluted. 
Now, I know it's very hard to get out of that, and I'm with you. I've lived vicariously through a lot of your relationships and a lot of other relationships. I understand. I wish it wasn't that way because it really distorts the relationship. So the fact that a a long-distance relationship could be good because it doesn't have that. Now, it's also bad because it could be strung along very easily because there's certain fantasy level to it. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that don't really exist that can come up in a in a in a long distance relationship. Also, what I don't like is when people meet long distance and they take a long time to actually meet in person. Because the person you may see on Skype or FaceTime or even on the phone is not going to be the person you see in real life. So I recommend the following: If you're in a long distance relationship, if you meet long distance, you can have one or two or three phone or FaceTime dates, and then you must get into a city and meet each other. And then you can continue from long distance again. But there must be, within the first week or two, a, a physical city where you're actually seeing each other. Because that's, that's where the chemistry is really. Chemistry, FaceTime is wonderful. Facebook Live is great. But the chemistry is not there. Like the people who are watching Facebook Live, they're listening and they're great. But it's different. Being here, you can all agree that's why you're here and not on Facebook Live. And people on Facebook Live, you're good too. But uh, the reason why we're here, because there's a certain thing about being here together in the same room. The, the chemistry is different. <laughs> Okay, next question. And don't make the last two years, two, three years. Yeah, don't make the last two, three years. Long distance. I'm currently speaking with someone, and I can't tell if I'm in the friend zone or not. <laughs> <laughs> what should I do? What happened? Yes, I hear this a lot, the friend zone. Is this a, is it was like a, a TV show that started? This must have been. Right? <laughs> Oh, friends. Okay, there is it. So the friend zone. How about the friend zone? So why is everybody looking for the friends zone? Why is everybody trying to... Relationships need that kind of passion, the chemistry. Don't try to make friends. Platonic relationships don't work. I mean, they're great. Yes. I said that I was going to offend people tonight, right? I said that I was going to offend people tonight. Can I, can I, I'm, going to, I'm going to offend some people in the room tonight. Yeah, Women in the room, I'm going to generalize you. Can I offend you? Do I have permission to offend you in a way that you've never been offended before as a, as a people? Yes, you can hurt me back. You can fight me on it. But I'm still going to offend you. Are you ready for this? There, are you ready? This is disgusting. No. Women in the room, I'm going to offend you. And I ask for permission. If you're a woman on Facebook and you're watching, I can't see if you give me permission or not. But I got permission from the women in the room here. So I'm going to offend you and it's going to hurt. And you can fight me on it. <laughs> they're all ready. They're all ready. They're, they're set up for this. There's an excitement in the room that there hasn't been before. There has never been a man in history that was friends with a woman. Man and woman cannot be friends. That's it. Friends for what? Or there's something over his no, they can't be friends. It's impossible. There has never been a man in history that has been friends with a woman. I'm sorry to tell you this. If you think he's friends with you, he's not. 
Okay, I, I'm, I'm not. Okay, you, no. Gay is a different story. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Uh, we can go there. If one of the questions will come out, I'll, I'll answer it. It's a, it's a big question. It's a very big question. I think that what I'm going to do is I'm going to, and as the weeks go on, I'm going to dedicate a class just to this because I think it's a really important topic. It has to be discussed. You're, you're saying you're saying that there's guys that are friends with girls and he's not attracted. It could happen. I'm not. I have to generalize for the sake of generalizing. I've never seen it, and I've counseled people. I've been around. I've. No, that's anyway. This, this is it's, it's a very tough, very tough topic. It's a very tough topic. I know that you're having a hard time digesting it. Let's digest it. Let's talk about it in the future. I think it's very important. Maybe at the end of tonight's class, if we have some time, we'll go into an all-out debate on it. But I want you to think about it. Because I'm going to continue the offense, and I'll, I'll get to the men soon. Don't worry. I'm, 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 I'm equal opportunity offender. Jake, this is happening at 6058 Sherbrooke in Montreal. He just asked, "Where is this?" Um, the I'm, I'm I will say that to the women in the room, I'm not going to say. I can't, I can't, I'm not going to do two effects. I have to offend the men before. I have to offend the men before I offend the women again. Yeah. People are saying on Facebook it's not offensive. It's simply not true. See, the women have a very hard time handling this, and I understand that. I'm not going to offend them twice. I'll offend the men first. I'm going to offend you guys soon. Don't worry. Let me get, a, let me get to a question that's offensive to women. So, um, to answer this person, who I'm assuming is a man... I'm just making an assumption here. If you're seeing someone who you can't tell if you're in the friend zone, my my answer is my my answer is that friend zone is a very difficult thing. It somehow it became so prevalent in our society that we just want to become friends with everyone. And we think that as a result, now I'm not, I do see I do know couples that have been friends, so to speak, so they say, and then they ended up becoming. Uh, and they ended up getting getting married as a result later on, but generally it's not it's not true. If I had to generalize it, it's not true, and I really would avoid friend zone as much as possible because you also eliminate the opportunity that you have for romance and for the passion and for the joy of that long term relationship by just trying to make it all comfortable. It's not supposed to be comfortable. There's supposed to be a friction. There's supposed to be a romance. There's supposed to be something more to it. So you're going to cheapen it by creating a friend out of it. Sorry to say that. That was that was half offensive. Next one. How much do I need to know about someone before I can trust them enough to get married? That is a really, really good question. It's a really good question. There's a lot of elements to this question. Number one is you need to you need to make sure that you know 
who you are and what is important for you in a long-term relationship. And if you date someone and you check off, so to speak, all those checks, then you're okay. And if you're not willing to check off all those checks or you're confused about it, then you need to have a mentor. So the best answer I can give you is have a good mentor, someone who you trust, someone who can give you really good advice, someone who you're not scared of, someone who you'll listen to, and that mentor will be able to know if you're ready to get married. Actually, in the religious world, in the religious dating system, the matchmaker, that's their job. Their job is to be able to be that kind of go-between, and they figure out if the couple's ready, and then, then they'll, they'll kind of encourage that kind of getting to know someone enough. But I think there's a lot of, in our society, there's a lot of things that people want to make sure they know, which may not be important. There's always a certain gamble. I'm not going to deny that. I was talking to somebody earlier today about that. There's always a certain gamble when it comes to getting married. And it's a big commitment. It's a very difficult thing. But for, uh, for a long time, I was afraid of driving. I just didn't want to drive. I was scared of the road. And uh, I, when I got engaged to my wife, she said, I'm not going to marry you unless you know how to drive. Yes. So right after we got in, right after I asked her, I asked the question and we got engaged before anyone knew about it. She gave me my first driving lesson. And one of the, and so <laughs> and one of the, one of the things she said to me during that time, and she said, stupider than stupider people than you have done this. And I, it was, it's, it's a stupid, it's, it's, it's not about stupid people or not stupid people. It's about the fact that there's people who have done it and they've been successful. And there's people who've done it who haven't been successful. And I think in our society, we're scared. And we just don't have a hard time taking that plunge. But it's not, it's not that scary. It's scary, but not that scary where you don't want to make it. And people have had tremendous joy and satisfaction from a long-term relationship that you can't get any other way. So you may never know enough about them. And there's always going to be a certain gamble to it. But at the end of the day, if you have all your checks checked, then it's okay. You can say yes, or you can ask the question. And make sure you have someone who's going to help and guide you, and make sure that's possible. Let's go to the next one. Again, anyone on Facebook that wants to ask a question, please ask. We will take your questions, too. Why aren't there more dating events that are single-only and just involve people meeting each other without a lecture. So I will answer that question by saying I'm very against speed dating. I, if you ever, for someone who is so into relationships and do so many things and have set up so many couples, I will tell you I think speed dating is a bad idea on a lot of levels. First of all, most people end up showing their worst face. Also, you meet somebody for three minutes and you say, the first is you walk in. I've, I've been to all these speed datings. I analyze these speed dating events. Here's how it starts. You walk in, you're like, there's nobody here for me. Number one. That's the first thing. Now, I'm not saying that no one's met in a speed dating, but few and far between. So first thing they say is there's nobody here for me. So guess what? You are your own prophet. It's going to be true at the end. There will be no one there for you. The next thing that's going to happen is you're going to, make sure that you figure out every reason why everyone's not for you. So when I suggest 
this person you met at a speed dating event, which often happens to me, you're like, when I met them at a speed dating, they're not for me. So how do you know that? How do you decide? After three minutes, you decided that they're not for you? Of course they're not for you because you already decided before you even sat down at the table across from them that they weren't for you. And the whole thing, the whole thing, as someone just said here, and who needs to brag about 10 bad dates in the same night? Someone said over here on Facebook. <laughs> Thank you, Roseanne. But uh, I think that, and I know there's some questions here. Give me, just give me a second. I think that speed dating is a really bad idea. I'm, I think that there's a few and far between that have actually gotten married, and it's, there's other ways of dating. Now, how to do it? I think that the best, way of meet, the best way of meeting in our society is shared experiences, where there's no pressure to meet, because for some reason, in the Jewish community especially, there's this idea that I'm going to marry someone Jewish. So therefore, every time I see a Jew of age, it's like, hold on. This could be the one. Whoa. There's all these like little sparks and things and little frilly things that happen around. It's the congrats button on Facebook that happens with balloons and little things. And all of a sudden, this is it. This is it. This is it. This could be one. But at the same time that that happens, all the guards go up. There's like a big, solid brick wall that goes between you and that person because you've been hurt in the past. Some of us, many of us have been hurt in the past. And you don't want to get hurt again. So you have your defense mechanism. The big defense mechanism that goes up that is saying, no, 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 no. So you are going to be your own prophet and you're going to answer your own question. And that's going to be no, 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 no. It's not going to happen. But then, so what we have to do is we have to figure out a way in a convoluted or non-convoluted way to take away that that pressure. So the speed datings, all of these things, we have to just create events and share experiences or blind dates also work because they're so awkward that they work. But I've thought about this a lot and anyone who has any ideas, uh, we want to have a lot of different types of events this year. That's really important to us. And we want to have events that people are going to actually meet because a lot of people want to meet. We want to create and facilitate those kinds of things in a way that actually works for people. We've tried a lot of things over the years. Some things have worked. Some things haven't worked. But what's really important is that we figure out ways that people can meet without having that guard up or that pressure. Wine does work also. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Okay. Face to face as opposed to on the internet is a great question. Um, one has nothing to do. They're not mutually exclusive. They could both work and they could both not work as long as the guard's not up. That's the problem. We have our guard up and that's what's hurting us more than anything else. I have some questions here. Rabbi, despite all available dating apps, why then more and more people have a hard time finding their other half? I have the same, same question. All these ways of meeting today, all these dating apps, I find the same people are good, who are, are on these, often the same people that are on these dating things. And the problem is, is that the Jewish community especially is very segregated, especially here in Montreal. And a lot of people stay to their like little things and they think that they went to their one little event and that's going to help. And I think that what you have to do is you have to go everywhere and you have to, we have to figure out a way to kind of mold them and blend all the communities of people because there's a lot of Jewish singles in Montreal of all ages that are not meeting. Some of them are not ready to meet, but even those that are ready to meet, they're not always... Going, we have to figure out ways of 
getting them together. Someone just said here, like a mixer or a mixer of single events. Someone else says, I sound like, like, like their mother. Oi. That's, uh, I have a bunch more questions here, and then we'll, we'll get to other questions there, and then we'll end, uh, we'll end the evening. We're already a little over time. Is that okay? Are we still good? You guys getting tired? Should we end? Let me just pull out all these things and see what else we have over here, and let's see if we can have a final question, because I have a bunch here. Someone asked the thing about, there's someone better for me? I already answered that question. Love at First Sight again came up. Um, someone asked here, how important is age as a healthy ideal age difference? I, I answered that in one of my articles in the Pain Jewish News. I can send that to you. If you have that question, you can ask me. I can send that, that answer to you. Um, it is said, it's a great ending for tonight. And thank you for bearing with me here. It is said that women fall in love faster than men. Is this true? Actually, studies show that men fall in love faster than women. There's been many studies that have been done on this. So that is not true. Um, and usually men know if they're in touch with themselves, they know before the women. And the women take a little longer because women are more gray. Men are, more, men are black and white. You can look at some of the studies. There's a Harvard study that came out in 2004 that talks all about it. Um, and I think that um, falling in love is actually, even though the romantic comedy is played out as a woman's thing, it's actually more of a man's thing. Men generally fall in love and women don't. Women have to be loved and they need that reciprocal and they need that appreciation. They need all those other things. It's much more gray. It's much more things. I'm not going to insult women. I will insult men by saying, guys, wake up. Wake up. There's a wonderful world out there. Women are relationship beings. Men are not relationship beings. Guys have to work harder. The men has to go after the woman. In our society, women often are going after men. Don't. Man, you're never going to stay married if you don't go after your women. You've got to go after her. She's waiting for you to go after her and do it. I will offend you as much as possible. I will, I will offend men about this from today to tomorrow. They must, must pursue the women. You will not stay in a long-term relationship. You have to. That is the nature. That is the, the, the whole entire part of the relationship itself is there's a giver and a taker. And the whole dynamics of the relationship is the man needs to pursue the woman, not only in the dating process, not only in the courting process, not only in the engagement process, but also in the marriage process. So it's just the beginning, and that is the way that the world is meant to run. I know that's hard for a lot of men to hear. I know it's very difficult for a lot of you to really understand. But the women are relationship beings. They're by nature relationship people. They are the ones that are the glue that are going to keep the relationship together, which means the man has to work harder on making the relationship start and making it work. With that, now that I have truly offended everyone in one night, I thank you very much for coming. I would love to hear your feedback on tonight. I'd like to continue this and do more of these. I would love to hear your feedback. You know, if you, know, you don't know how to find me, find me on Facebook. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me is on Facebook. Other ways are by email or call me or whatever it is, text me. But I really appreciate you being here and sitting here through this. I can't believe that we uh, were able to sit through an hour and a half like this. So it's amazing in our crazy world of overstimulation. Thank you very much for being here and peace out.